Hello, and welcome to this Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles. Of course, I'm joined by Peter Franklin. Hello. Hello, Peter. And today we are discussing the most influential religion you've never heard of. This is part, uh, Peter, of our Religion Week, which we have launched this week. Um, And we're focusing, as part of that series, on religions that are growing. And so, although this particular one which we're going to come on to is arguably probably pretty small in the context of world religions, it is nonetheless, particularly given who believes in it or who, you know, kind of follows it, I suppose, if you can say that, um, potentially quite an influential theory. Peter, what is it? It is. Well, I can barely pronounce the word. It is singularitarianism. Right, okay. And what on earth is that? What on earth is it? Yes. Um, Well, uh, where on earth it is? Um, Silicon Valley, um, primarily, but some other places as well. And it's people, especially in the tech world, that believe in something called the singularity. So it's a form of secular religion? It is a form of secular religion because... Uh, strictly speaking, it doesn't have a supernatural or metaphysical components, and it seeks to overcome the limits of human reason by creating artificial minds, i.e. computers, uh, that are greater than our own. And they believe that once we get to a certain point of development on computers and artificial intelligence, those computers will acquire the ability to design better computers, better versions of themselves. And that next generation will produce an even better generation, and so on and so on, in fact, really, really fast, until you produce a, a, a sort of... Uh, a silicon mind with almost godlike intelligence. So this is, and that's the singularity. Once you get to that point, that we have computers that could do almost anything for us. And so this was a piece that you were um, unpacking that was in the Economist, I think. And and there's a particular quote you use, which I think is worth um, me just using now to help our listeners understand this theory perhaps is a slightly better word than religion but we're we're going to go with religion so optimists conjure up an age of limitless material abundance and infinite leisure i think i might be able to get on board with that but then the quote goes on to say with genetically modified humans bound together by brain implants into a solar system spanning hive mind or perhaps uploading their minds into a silicon utopia i think that sounds terrifying Well, a lot of people dream of it, because if you don't believe in an afterlife, then your only hope of immortality is a technological solution, right? That might mean sort of super genetics that um, sort out the aging process. It might mean sort of uploading our minds to some sort of soul catcher microchip. Um, All of these things. you know, my mind is taken away and I'm given a far superior kind of chip or something that goes in my brain. I mean, how is that living? How is that life? Well, if you don't believe in the soul and you don't believe in heaven or anything like that, then that's your only option, right? 
you know, our bodies are frail and biological and wet and squishy. If you want to persist over centuries rather than decades, then somehow you're going to have to transcend that and become transhuman. Okay, we went there. Right. So, Peter, what is transhumanism then? Well, it's using things like um, cyborg technology, sort of man-machine interfaces, or genetic engineering, so that we overcome our biological limits. And that's another strand of, you know, quotes, religion that's going through Silicon Valley and, and kind of the sort of tech elite. Indeed. And the point about the singularity, this sort of um, self-development of a super brainy, all-capable computer, is that it will be able to speed up all of these other technologies, right? That what might have taken us centuries or millennia to achieve through purely human science can be turbocharged and we can reach this amazing sort of techno-utopia well ahead of schedule. Okay, and so let's talk about timeframes. Um, You quote, uh, or rather the Economist, sorry, article that you're unpacking, uh, quotes the founder, chairman and CEO of SoftBank, uh, which is a big IT tech firm um, in Japan, I think. Yes, this um, chap, the the founder, CEO and chairman of it is a chap called, uh, amazing man called Masayoshi Son. And um, he thinks that we could achieve this singularity within... 30 years. I mean, he thinks, well, specifically, he says that there will be robots with an IQ of 10,000 walking around. And, you know, given that IQs at the moment reach a maximum limit of about 180, 10,000 is is just amazing. And um, these robots would be capable of almost anything um, in theory. And this links to or rather is premised on the theory of Moore's law. So another little explainer please Peter. Okay Moore's law is something that does actually exist. It's that um, basically our compute the the compute is absolutely is actually to do with the number of transistors that we can pack onto a microchip. But what that cashes out as is the amount of computer processing power available to us as a as a species, I guess. And um, Moore's law is the idea that this kind of doubles every two years, 18 months. And actually, we can see this in action. Just compare how good the computers we have today are to those, you know, back in the 1980s or 90s, if you can remember that far back. And obviously, we're making great progress. Now, what if we continue making that progress? Does that mean that, you know, our computers in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time are going to be able to achieve these amazing feats? Um, In particular, um, achieving genuine artificial intelligence, what is sometimes called hard AI. Okay, and so what effectively we're saying, or rather the believers of in, of in, uh, singularity uh, are saying is that because of the pace of technological advancement, um, 
Moore's law will mean that within a very short time frame, relatively speaking, uh, we will have this kind of super brain thing. Yes, we'll reach a tipping point at which we have genuine AI. And once we have that, that AI will take over and make itself better and better and better until we have these godlike machines that fulfill our every dream. Or perhaps wipe us out, depending on how they Every feel about us. And nightmare. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the crux, the twist in the story, if I may, Peter, is that you're saying that that's all very well, apart from multiplying a base of zero is still zero. Explain what you mean by that. Okay. Well, I'm saying at the moment, um, quite plainly, we have something called soft AI, which is artificial intelligence that can do things like win chess games but only because it's told how to do it by human beings and it can run lots of permutations and just work out which one works best. Or, right. for example, facial recognition or diagnosing cancer or something because it's had loads and loads of data or images fed, fed in, order, yeah, yes. in order to be able to do that. Yeah. Indeed, yes. So we've got that sort of AI, but to achieve this genuine AI, you need sort of consciousness and creativity and we've got absolutely nowhere there. There is zero evidence that any machine has a single spark of its own creativity or own consciousness, right? So the idea that we will get to this tipping point is a pure fantasy. You know, it's magical thinking. Um, and so I think if you genuinely do believe this, then you're making as big a leap into the unknown, a bigger, you make, well, you're making a genuine leap of faith. Right. Well, there we go. Bringing it perfectly back to the start, Peter. Um, so really, singularity, whilst it is a, quote, secular religion, it's no more real in the sense of touchable or tangible than any other form of religion or faith. And yet, I would probably argue, from my personal perspective, that it sounds a whole lot more terrifying and horrific. Uh, so I think we'll conclude by saying humans are going to be here to stay, along with their creativity and brain power, for a while longer. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, James, for producing this podcast. Thank you all for listening to us. We hope you have enjoyed today's Unpacked Short. Please do subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, check out the other Unheard podcasts. Mm-hmm.